Romans chapter 4 and verse 1. I've been going through the book of Romans, understanding our faith, understanding what we believe. Praise the Lord. In order to be saved, thank God for salvation today. We have covered, let me just give you a review, an overview. The first chapter we dealt with basically the power of the gospel. The Bible says the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. Amen. The first chapter began showing us the world without God and all its decline away and rejection of God and how it resulted in all kinds of various sins and things such as idolatry and on and on it went in the first chapter. And then in the second chapter we found out that the religious man was also lost. Praise God, the Jewish man. So the Gentiles in chapter 1, the Jewish man in chapter uh, 2, and then chapter 3, we found out in uh, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So after proving this in the first and second chapter of the book of Romans, now he concludes it, Paul does, and he says everybody's come short of the glory of God. Praise the Lord. Person out in the world. In the pagan world, they're short of the glory of God. Those that are in the religious world, the Jewish people who did not have the faith of Abraham, they were also lost. And then he just says everybody in the world has come short of the glory of God. That means we have a need, and we have need of a Savior. So we find that in those first chapters, Paul is showing us the, the despair, the darkness of the human race. And how man is under the wrath of God in this world. And he goes deeper and deeper and deeper into the wrath of God. But then we come to the third chapter, which we covered last week. And we see Paul shout with a wonderful, victorious shout that the gospel is the power of God into salvation. That we can be saved if we will believe the gospel and put our faith in what Jesus Christ has done. Amen. So brings us to the fourth chapter, after having found out in chapter 3 that we must have faith in God. If you'll look, let me just read verse 28. Therefore, in chapter 3, verse 28, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So how can we be justified? By faith. Praise God. So that goes for the Gentiles who had conscience. Remember we, we studied how the Gentiles had conscience. They didn't have the law of God, but they had a conscience. And so God would judge the Gentiles on their conscience, and no Gentile, no person has ever lived up to everything their conscience told them to do or not to do. So the Gentiles were condemned. Then we came to the, law, the Jew, and the Jew had his law under the arm, the law of God under the arm. But God said the Jew hasn't lived up to the perfect commands of the law of God either. So all stand, stand condemned before him. So he says we are justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Now what kind of faith must we have in order to have saving faith? Praise the Lord. Is it just mental acceptance of Jesus Christ? Is that what it means? We're going to find out what kind of faith justifies you in the eyes of God in the fourth chapter in the life of Abraham. Because Abraham is known as the father of the faithful. Praise the Lord. So we're gonna, you will be blessed by this lesson. You will learn much about what kind of faith it takes in order to be saved. But the first verse of chapter 4. What shall we say then 
that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found. Let's say hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, amen, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh it is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision, that's Israel or the Jew, only, or upon the uncircumcision also, that's all the nations of the world beside the Jews. And he says, uh, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? And then it says, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had. Let's say, which he had. Yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had been had being yet uncircumcised. For the promise, let's say the promise, that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Not just the Jewish nation, but notice he said, I've made you a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness 
Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word today. Jesus, we ask you to speak to our hearts, give us understanding concerning justification and salvation, Lord. We thank you, God, for what you've done for us, God, and we put our trust in that, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for your anointing, God, today upon us, God, to speak and both hear and receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. What kind of faith are we talking about that is saving faith? Because there is dead faith and there is living faith. And the object of faith is very important. Praise the Lord. And we're going to talk about those things this morning. We're going to see what kind of faith is saving faith and what kind of faith is not saving faith. Because you can have faith and still not be saved. So we're going to find out in this, this man, Abraham, who is faith personified. When you look at Abraham, you see faith lived out. And it will explain to us what type of faith God is looking for that brings salvation. The scripture tells us in verse 1, what shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? Now Abraham, remember, was saved before the law. And the Jews, according to the second chapter, were depending on the law to save them. And so they tried to obey the law to bring about their salvation by their good works. But they didn't make it. They didn't reach the perfection that God's law commanded them. So they're lost. And their question is, well, our father is Abraham, and he's the first Hebrew, and we are descendants of Abraham. Therefore, God is going to take this fourth chapter, and he's going to show that Abraham was saved before the law was ever given. So if you're saved by the law, then how could Abraham be saved before the law? He was saved before the law was ever given. So the Old Testament, what we're going to see in this chapter is that justification by faith is not a new way of salvation. Justification by faith was the way that God has always done it. And Abraham is going to be the example of a man who was saved by faith. Not by the works of the law. Not by how good he lived his life. But by trusting in God. So you see, the question is, what shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found. Now, Abraham found this faith. He found the faith that would bring him into salvation with God. Amen? It says, for if Abraham were justified by works, he hath wherefore to glory, but not before God. You see, if Abraham was made right before God because of his goodness, then he could glory. You know, I'm, a, I'm so good that God would even accept me. 
But God is telling us here that he was not justified by his good works because Abraham found the faith that was necessary to be saved. He trusted God. Now what that means is this, there was a time in Abraham's life when he did not walk with God. He did not trust God. He didn't have faith in God. In fact, if you look in the Bible in the Genesis chapter 12, turn over there with me. The scripture tells me that when God calls Abraham, he doesn't call Abraham as a man of faith. He was not a man of faith when God first called him. Genesis chapter 12. In verse 1. Now the Lord said unto Abram, notice it says Abram there, that means a father, a, a high father, a high father, H-I-G-H, a high father. God's going to change his name later on to Abraham, which means a father of a multitude. The scripture says, now the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. So now God appears to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to do something here. I want you to get out of your country. Abraham was from Ur of the Chaldees. Acts chapter 7 tells you where Abraham was from. He was from Ur of the Chaldees, which was very, very close to uh, Babylon. It was a, a part of uh, the Babylonian Empire. Babylon was the capital city of Babylonia. Okay, so the kingdom was Babylonia, and Babylon was the capital city. But in this part of the world near the Euphrates River, there was a place called Ur of the Chaldees, just a little bit lower than, if you looked on a map, Babylon would be here, and just down here below it would be Ur of the Chaldees near the Euphrates River. And that was the seat of idolatry. That was where all paganism and all idolatry began. Remember we talked Wednesday night about Babylon. And Babylon was where they built that huge tower that reached to heaven. And there at that place of uh, Babylon, they begin to worship the stars, the moon, the sun. They begin to worship many, many gods. So this place, Ur of the Chaldees, was where the seat of idolatry was. And if you read Acts chapter 7, you will find out that his father, Terah, was an idolater worshiper. He worshipped idols. Now listen, Abraham was a worshiper of idols. In the place Ur of the Chaldees, where Abraham was from, they worshipped the moon god. And Abraham was a worshiper of the moon god. He was an idol worshiper before he, he found God. He was like the rest of those people who worshiped various things that were not God, but God's creation. Just like Romans chapter, chapter 1 talks about how they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Now, Abraham was one of those men. He worshiped the moon god. And you see, in those days, each city had its own god, own false god, little g-o-d. And those people believed that if they left their city or their country, then the god that they served 
the God that they bowed down to stayed in that city. So God is calling Abraham, Abram here, out of his country. And he's not just going to leave his geographical home, his city, but he's going to leave his God behind. He's going to leave the moon God behind, which he worshipped. And that was serious business. So a lot of times, many times, most of the time, they would make little idols depicting those gods. The moon god was depicted in an idol. And they would carry those little icons with them when they traveled. Because when they got away from their city, they've left their god behind. They've left their protection behind. So they want to be sure and carry their god with them everywhere they go. Now this is Abram before he finds God. He's a moon worshiper. He worships the glory of the moon. And the scripture tells us that God appears to him. He says, Abraham, I want you to leave your country. And I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your kindred. And think about all that that involves. That's leaving his false god. That's leaving his family. That's leaving his home. That's leaving his business. And I'm telling you, in Irv Chaldees, if you study that, uh, archaeologists have found that that was one of the most wealthy parts of the world that was there. They had all types of education there. They studied new math there. You know, we think new math, that, that what I learned in, in school was something new. That wasn't new. That was something they had a long time ago. And they had education, and they had wealth, and they had business there. And here he is. He has his God here. Because that's all he knows. And God appears to him and said, I want you to leave it all behind. Now, what if God appeared to you this morning and said, I want you to leave family. I want you to leave friends. I want you to leave Odessa. Amen. I want you to leave church if you were in a false church. I want you to leave that faith. And I want you to go to a place but I'm not going to tell you where I'm going to send you. I'm not even going to tell you the place you're going. I just want you to pack up by faith in my word and go. And I'm not telling you where you're going. I'm just telling you to leave. That would take a lot of faith, wouldn't it? If God appeared to you and told you those things. And you don't even know where you're going. And here you go. You start loading up the moving vans and everything. And you're going to leave your family behind, your children behind, and everything behind, your business behind, and you're just going down the road, and somebody walks up to you and says, where are you going? I don't know where I'm going. What do you mean you don't know where you're going? Why are you packing up like you are? Why are you forsaking family and friends and home and your job and everything? Where are you going? You said, well, I don't know where I'm going. But God told me to do it. He didn't tell you where you were going to go. No. He just said he's going to take me to a land. That he's going to bless me in. Those people would look at you like you had lost your mind. And it, not only that, but it would be very difficult for you to have that kind of faith in God to where he tells you to leave everything behind, everything, and leave and go somewhere you don't even know where you're going. You're just driving down the road. And when God's going to speak to you to go here, then you go there. And that's complete, total faith and complete dependence on the direction of God. How many of you could do that? I mean, if you knew where God was going to send you, that's another thing. You know, if God called you to Washington, well, hey, that's okay. But if he tells you to leave and you don't even know where you're going, you have to walk by faith and dependence on God every day of your life. 
So Abraham, Abram was not a man who had always from a child walked with the God of the Bible. He was an idol worshiper. He was, a, he was out in the world. He's about as pagan as you could possibly get. I mean, people in the world today, most of them don't bow down to idols and icons, but Abram did. Are y'all with me today? But God speaks to him, and he tells him to leave in verse 2. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Now, if you'll read in the 10th chapter, the 11th chapter, when Nimrod and them were over there trying to build this tower, what were they doing? They were building their own kingdom. And the Bible said they were trying to make their name great in the 11th chapter. But before you were taught about Nimrod and about the Tower of Babel, you didn't, you had probably never heard about Nimrod. I mean, he's not a household name. Nimrod's not a household name. And Babylon's not a household thing that you talk about until you come to church and you learn about it. But they were trying to build their own kingdoms and build their own names without God. Listen, whenever a person tries to build their own kingdoms and build their own names without God, they're never remembered. But a person who puts their faith in God, then the Bible says, God says, I will make you a great nation. And I will make you, your name, great. Abraham's a household name. I mean, you people that don't even go to church know about Abraham. And the Muslims in foreign countries, they know about Abraham. Abraham is known throughout the world. Wherever you go, if you ask, do you know about Abraham? They say, yes. You know why? Because he was a man of faith that walked with God, and God made his name great. If you walk with God, he'll make you great. But if you seek to walk without God and try to build your own reputation and try to build your own name, you're going to be forgotten. Hallelujah. And this is all by faith. He's going to have to leave it all behind. So the scripture tells us that he found, go back to Romans chapter 4, he found this type of faith. Before, he was not a man of faith in God. He was a pagan, idolatrous worship. Read Acts 7 sometime. It'll tell you. So he's the first Hebrew, and faith in God, being right with God, by faith, is true Hebrew religion. Do you understand that? Whenever I study the Old Testament, the Old Testament teaches me justification by faith. Not being saved by the work, doing the works of the law, by faith. That's true Hebrew religion. He's the first Hebrew. That means one to cross over. Boy, I could preach a message on that this morning. One that's willing to cross over. He's the first Hebrew. And he's justified by faith before the law is ever given. So the Old Testament teaches not this isn't new what i'm sharing with you today this isn't new this was taught in the old testament and the true israelites the true jewish person the seed of abraham true seed of abraham were those that were walking by faith amen now 
What about these Jewish people that are alive when Jesus walks the earth? You've got them. You've got the Pharisees standing on the corners trying to justify themselves by their own good works and the works of the law. You've got them trying to save themselves. And Jesus, the Savior of the world, walks into their world and they reject him. So Jesus says that the sinners were making it into the kingdom of God before the Pharisees were. Because the prostitutes and those men that, and people that he, or women and men that he talked about were trusting Jesus, not their own goodness. But the Judaizers, which were those people, listen to me, that had left the Bible. They left that Old Testament teaching of justification by faith and begin to try to work their self to heaven and work their way to heaven. And so Jesus, when he walks into this world, he's the Savior that they need, but they think they're good enough to be saved, so they don't need Jesus. So Judaism, when Jesus walked the earth, was an apostate religion. It were, it, they were Jews who had left the Bible and were trying to be right with God based on their observance of the law. But see, the problem is God demands perfection. If you want to be saved by your good works, then you have to be absolutely perfect. But they thought they were, so they rejected Jesus. Hang in there with me. Amen. So Judaism is an apostate religion. It is not based in Hebrew scripture of the Old Testament. Because Abraham is the first Hebrew. Now, let me read on. <clears throat> Verse 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Amen. He's an idol worshiper. When he comes before God, so far as his salvation is concerned, he's empty-handed. He can't bring anything before God and say, here's how good I am, God. You know, I didn't lie all day yesterday, God. I didn't say one lie. Here, God, I present that to you. But God said you lied the day before. Amen. So, so far, so far as being right with God, he comes before God. He can't bring one thing before God concerning his own goodness that will put him right with God. Empty-handed completely. Hmm. So he's not depending on himself. He has to depend on God. He has to rely upon God to do for him what he can't do for himself, and that's salvation. But a person who seeks to be justified by their good works are relying upon themselves and not on God. Now, we're going to explain all, a lot of stuff here this morning. It's going to bless you. It's going to help you. The Bible says this, verse 3, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Genesis 15, verse 6. That's where that verse is quoted from. Now, what did Abraham believe God? First of all, God has called him out of his country. He walks out of his country by faith, trusting God to lead him, completely dependent on God. 
And then by the time you get to the 15th chapter, God promises Abram. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation. He's already promised that. I'm going to make your name great. But Abram doesn't have any children. I mean, it's easy to believe what God tells you when you can look down and see a child in your family, that you're going to have a, a big family. But, hey, if you don't have any children and your wife's barren, she can't have children, and y'all haven't had children, then you have to depend on God because you're empty-handed. God said, I'm going to make you a great nation. Oh, really, God? Where are they at? Total faith in God. But the scripture says that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him. It was credited to his account. His faith, his belief, his trust in God was credited to his account as righteousness. Amen. Abraham, Abram believed that God was going to make a great nation out of him just like God said. He believed the word of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. What faith. Not looking at his situation, not looking at his circumstances, but looking at what God said and totally believing and trusting that what God said that he would do, he was able to do. And not only is he able to do it, he will do it. Even if I don't see it right now. That's faith. Not walking by sight, walking by faith. In the invisible, not seeing it. But faith is believing the Word of God for the invisible until it becomes visible. It's trusting God when you don't feel it. It's trusting God when you don't see it. Amen. It's believing God's going to send a revival to church when you don't see it. It's believing that God's going to make a, a church when you don't see it. It's faith. It's not walking by sight. Hmm. Come on, church. And the Bible said because Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. That means in the bank account, so-called heavenly bank account of Abraham, God said you have an empty account right now. Zero balance in the account concerning your salvation. But because you believe my word and you put faith in me, I'm going to put righteousness in your account I'm going to credit your account. And you don't deserve it. You don't have anything. You're empty-handed. But I'm going to make you what you're not. Come on, man. I'm going to make you what you're not. I'm going to call you what you're not. Praise the Lord. Because you put your faith in me and not in yourself. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, for what saith the scripture, verse 3, Abraham believed God. Now, faith, listen, doesn't save anybody alone. Because you can have faith. There's people who bow down to false gods who have great faith. I mean, they'll pray many, many times a day turn their face towards a certain location and pray toward that place because of their faith. But just they've got faith, friend, that will cause them to do things that 
that even Christians won't ever do in commitment for God. There's some people that don't even believe in God that are involved in idol worship and they worship other men that do things for their faith that the Christians never will do. They'll fast 40 days a certain time of year. They'll pray several times a day. Even if they're on an airplane, they'll bow down and pray. They've got faith. But that faith is empty because faith alone doesn't save you. It's who's the, what's the object of my faith? Where have I put my faith? Where have I put my trust? The Bible says Abraham believed, but what? He believed God. So the object is the, what we're focusing on. Because sometimes people have faith in their faith. You hear some teachers, they talk about faith today. It's almost saying, you know, put faith in your faith. No. Faith is simply believing God's word. Believing God. He's the object of my faith. Praise the Lord. Y'all with me so far? Hallelujah. We're gonna, we'll get explained this more as we go along. The Bible says he believed God. It was counted unto him for righteousness. And then verse 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. You see, if you are working for your salvation, then God would be in debt to you. You would work for it. And it would be like, you know, you, go, you work at your job and they give you, they pay you a check. They didn't give that to you by grace. You earned that. But Abraham comes empty-handed before God. He, does it. he can't earn it by his good works, so God has to give him something he doesn't have. And that's grace. Amen. Do you understand that? What is it in your past before you came and put your trust in God and in his word that you could bring before God to make you right with God? absolutely nothing so that means that you're in total despair and total darkness and in the wrath of God and the only way out is God himself not you not me it's God if I'm going to be in heaven I got there because of what he did not what I did praise the Lord come on church <laughs> Ooh, thank God for his word. So it says that it was reckoned of grace, verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Because now he's, he knows he's empty-handed and he has to have God do something for him. Save him. That means he has to put trust in God. Thank you, Jesus. So the Bible clearly says we're not saved by works. We're saved by faith. Abraham was saved by faith, not by the works of the law, because he was justified before God before the law was ever given. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Let's say it together. Justified by faith, not by works. Okay, let me go to James. Let's look at something. James chapter 2. <clears throat> James chapter 2. 
something that almost sounds like a contradiction. We're reading about Abraham here, justified by faith, not works of the law. Praise God. What we're fixing to see here is there's a difference between works of the law and works of faith. James, in chapter 2, verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by what? By works. Romans 3 and 4 says he's justified by faith, and James comes along and he says he's justified by works. Oh, what am I going to do now? The scripture says, when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar, seest thou how faith wrought with his works. Faith was demonstrated by his works. Amen. Verse 22, seest thou how faith wrought and his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and he was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works and the Bible says when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So get your piece of paper out and, and if you've got one and pencil and, and just draw a line horizontally and a line vertically right down the middle. <clears throat> and on one side of that line put living faith on the left hand side at the top put living faith at the right hand side at the top put dead faith <clears throat> over the top of living faith put Romans 3 and 4 and over the top of dead faith, put James 2, 21 through 23. Okay. Now, living faith is what type of faith are we talking about that brings salvation? Living faith. What type of faith did Abraham display to us or show us? He showed living faith. And that living faith was demonstrated how? In total surrender and commitment to God. That's living faith. Not trusting in His works for salvation, but trusting in God. That's living faith. Okay? Dead faith, on the other side, dead faith, is only mental acceptance. Mental acceptance only. 
dead faith is trying to save yourself. Dead faith. You see the difference? So living faith is total commitment and trust in God. Living faith. And then dead faith is trusting in yourself, only mentally accepting. Amen? Underneath that, draw a line. And put works. Works. Y'all with me so far? I mean, y'all can draw it any way you want to. I'm just trying to help you here. But works. The Bible says in James chapter 2 that Abraham's faith went together with his works. And because faith and works were together, he was justified by works. Now hear me. The Bible says he was justified by faith. But then it says that he was justified by works. So, living works are this. Living works is the fruit of faith. What living faith produces is works. Living faith produces works. Dead faith is earning your salvation. Again, earning your salvation. That's dead works. Living faith produces works, but dead works is when you try to earn salvation. Okay? Draw a line there and put underneath that, put justified. Justified. Justified means right with God. You're right with God. Okay, under the Romans 3 and 4 column, put God declares you righteous. You are declared righteous by, by God. That's what the Bible says in Romans 3. says Abraham was it was imputed unto him righteousness. It was given to him righteousness. But on the other column, dead is, let me, let me show you this. Okay, no, under justification, we are declared right with God, Romans 3 and 4. And then James 2, the works are the evidence the works are evidence of our faith. So when I read Romans 3 and I read James 2 together, then I have an understanding that living faith will produce works. Saving faith is not a one-time event in your life. Saving faith is the type of faith that will cause you to walk in obedience to God's Word from that first day to the very end of your life. And if you have living faith, it will be demonstrated and showed by your lifestyle. 
My lifestyle is not to earning my salvation. My lifestyle of holiness is demonstrating that I've got living faith. Amen. James says, faith without works is dead being alone. If a person says, I've got faith in God, and they're not living for Him, they don't have living faith. They've got dead faith. Ooh, ooh, ooh this is good. Praise the Lord. The type of faith that Abraham had, a living faith, automatically produced the evidence, the results. Because it was alive. So the faith with the works proved that it wasn't dead, it was alive. Amen. But if Abraham would have tried to save himself by working his way to heaven, that's dead faith. And dead works. You see the difference? When you try to work for your salvation, God says, no, it's dead. But when you get saved, and then because you are saved, you live and walk with God, that shows your face alive. Pretty simple, isn't it? You see, if there has not been a change, then there probably is no. Now listen, let's read on. The Bible says in verse 6, let me go to, now he's going to give us another example. Even as David also declare, describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteous without works. Now David's going to pick up, Paul's going to take up David. He's talked briefly about Abraham, how Abraham trusted in God, so God get, did for Abraham what he couldn't do for himself. Amen. And the Bible says he believed God, so God said, okay, you're righteous. Now he takes up David. David was under the law. Abraham wasn't under the law. But David was under the law. So we're going to see, how was David saved? Was he saved by his goodness, own goodness? Was he saved by his own goodness? Under the law? Because he, here's what he says. Hmm. Saying, blessed are they, verse 7, whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Ooh. God looks at that man, David, who has committed adultery with Bathsheba. Listen to me. He is quoting Romans, Paul is quoting Psalm 32 and Psalm 51 after David has, listen to me, David brought the things of God as high as they possibly could be brought up in the kingdom. He exalted the word of God. He exalted the law of God. He elevated. And here comes David, the man who has sought to elevate the law of God and the word of God, and he, boom, he sins against God. He commits adultery with Bathsheba, and he murders Uriah. In the law, there is no sacrifice that David can bring to God to cover that sin. 
He deserves to die. He deserves to be taken out and stoned to death for adultery and murder. In Psalm 51, he said, Lord, I would bring sacrifice. If there was a sacrifice that I could bring, what is it, God, that I could bring to you right now? And the Lord said, I'm not asking you a sacrifice. Amen. Because there was no sacrifice under the law that David could bring to cover his sins and find forgiveness. Amen. Murder, adultery, homosexuality, those types of sin were no sacrifice in the Old Testament law to find forgiveness. You could not find forgiveness in the Old Testament if you committed those sins. They stoned you. Are you with me? God is going to have to be the object of David's faith. Because he can't find forgiveness because there's no sacrifice. So he has to go, listen, he has to completely depend on God. Hallelujah. He has to go beyond the law. And he has to look to the character of God himself and seek forgiveness for something that there's not even a sacrifice to cover in the law. He has to go beyond the law. He has to go by faith to God as his Savior. Come on, church. He has, by faith, has to look all the way to Calvary. When Jesus is hanging on a cross and shedding his blood for sin that is not even taken care of in the Old Testament sacrifice economy. So he has to totally put his faith in God to find forgiveness. Listen to me. Can you imagine that? If there was no sacrifice you could bring to church for your sin today and you knew you were not forgiven, where do you go now? You deserve to die to be stoned and you deserve to be in hell. What are you going to do now? You have to be like David and flee to Calvary, flee to Jesus, flee to God and say, God, I need you to forgive me. I need you to remove that sin completely because there's no sacrifice to cover it. You're going to have to take care of it, God. I can't trust in myself. I've got to look to you, God, because I've sinned a sin that can't be forgiven by sacrifice. Ooh. Thank you, Jesus. God. Verse 8. Blessed is the man... To whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now, if you look at Samuel, where this happened in the life of David, it's recorded all the gross details of how he murdered his best friend, Uriah, his loyal captain. And it tells you about Bathsheba and what happened. You know, she sent back the letter, said, David, I got bad news for you here. I'm carrying your baby. Read the story, you find out all the gross, the terrible details of David's sin. But you go to Chronicles, and you look for that same story, and it's not there. Because Samuel is man's viewpoint, man's record of the sin of David before confessed to God. 
Chronicles, have you ever wondered why you read 1st, 2nd Samuel, all of a sudden, boom, you run up there to Chronicles and it's the same thing? <laughs> oh my, I just got through reading that, you know, let's go into something new here. The reason why you've got it repeated is because Samuel is man's record, but Chronicles is God's record. And in between the two, David had come before God and said, Lord, you're going to have to forgive me. You're going to have to remove this sin, God, and, and, and not count it to me, but give me righteousness. And when David confessed his sin in Psalm 51, boom, God completely removed it out of the record. And so you can't find it in Chronicles because that's God's record. And he, there's no record of it. Boom, it's gone. Because it's under the blood. And that's what happens to you, and that's what happens to me when I come to God. And I ask Him to forgive me of my sins. I deserve death and hell. So far as the record goes, I can write it, write it all down. Write it all down. But when I confess my sin to the Lord, and I repent, and then I baptize in His name, and they're all washed away, His record book's clean. Chronicles says, I don't even see what He did. Now, when you know that, when you know you've been forgiven of great sin, and you know you are a great, you were a great sinner, he that has been forgiven for much will love much. When, if somebody paid all your debts off, oh, you'd love them. You'd love them. Amen. Therefore, because of what the Lord has done for me, I'm going to love him and show my appreciation by living for him. I'm going to live holy not because I'm trying to earn my way to heaven. I'm going to live holy because all oh, what he's done for me, I couldn't do it for myself. He did it for me. And I want to show my love and appreciation by my life. And when I do, I have living faith. Glory to God. Verse 9, cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, the Israelites, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. See, David obtained something by faith that he couldn't obtain under the law. Let's all say greater than. Jesus is greater than the law. Hebrews said. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than all the sacrifice. He's greater than what they could not find of the law, you can find in Christ. Oh, you tell me, church. You think, oh, I'm just going to sit back and not get excited about the Lord and praise Him and worship Him when He's done so much for me? It's impossible. But, you know, you hear some people say, well, brother, I'm just, I just don't feel like I have to get so loud and praise and worship. Well, man, if you've been forgiven a lot, you're going to love a lot. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say praise the Lord. This, verse 10, how was it then reckoned, talking about Abraham, when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Now, God, his, Abraham was justified because he put his trust in God. 
he believed the Word of God and he obeyed the Word of God. He demonstrated living faith because when God said, leave your place here, he did it. Okay? But if he would stayed there in his city and said, God, I have faith in you, I believe your word, and he stayed there, his faith's not alive. It's dead. But how do you demonstrate living faith? You do what God tells you to do. So Abraham walked out of there. Now listen, Abraham was justified because he had that kind of faith that he would take God's word for what it said and obey it. But he was justified before circumcision. Now, Genesis, the 17th chapter, two chapters after the 15th chapter, where God said that he was accounted to Abraham for righteousness, his faith, his belief. Then God gives the command to circumcise the firstborn, the, the son, the children. Circumcise them in the foreskin. And everybody who does not circumcise their son's foreskin have broken my covenant. Send them out. Of, my, of the camp, send them out of Israel. They've broken my covenant by refusing to be circumcised in the flesh. Now listen to me. Abraham's already been justified by God, has he not? Genesis 17 gives us the command from God that he has to be circumcised. Right? Thirteen years have gone, come and gone. He... He's justified in the eyes of God. Then God says, boom, get, be circumcised. It's my command that you do. If you don't, you've broken my covenant. What does Abraham do? He obeys God and he gets circumcised. Because he's got living faith. And if God says for him to do something, he don't stand around and say, well, I don't need it. I don't think I need it. But God, if you said it, I want to do it. Because my faith says obey your word. Let me go to baptism. Because Colossians 2 says that the New Testament circumcision is no longer physical circumcision of the foreskin. But it is a spiritual circumcision, Colossians 2 says, buried with him in baptism. That is the New Testament circumcision. Colossians 2, 8 through 12. Now what if I've got faith? Let me just look at it this way. If, if I didn't have that in the Bible today, and I was walking in obedience to God and in His Word and what He's spoken to me, and all of a sudden He comes to me and He says, I've got a command for you to be water baptized in my name. That's New Testament circumcision. Well, I could say, God, well, I'm already right with you. Why do I need to get baptized in your name? Hmm. If I say, no, God, I'm not going to do it, you know what I've just done? My living faith is no longer living faith because I've disobeyed and rejected the Word of God. But if you've got living faith, when you find out the Word says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, you're not going to stand around and say, do I really have to do that? You're going to say, that's the Word of God. I do it because I put my faith in His Word. So in the Old Testament, when the command to be circumcised was given, everybody that refused that command, God said, you've broken my covenant. Now here's the answer to your question. If a person, you show them in the Bible about repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and they say, I don't believe I need that. My question to you is this. 
do they have the saving kind of faith? Because if they've got the living, saving kind of faith, when they are showed that in the Word of God, they're going to say, take me to the water, whatever it takes, I want it. Amen? Now, I'm going to let God determine where they, where they end up. But living, saving faith says, okay, 13 years apart. If I were walking with God in all the life that I had for 13 years, and then somebody showed me baptism in Jesus' name and I need the Holy Ghost, I'd say, well, if it's living faith, then I would say yes to it. But if it's dead faith, when I'm showed the Word of God, then I, I wonder, do you really have living, saving faith? Praise the Lord. Does this help anybody? Look at verse 11. The Bible says, and he received the sign of circumcision. Look, a seal. Read it. Look at it right there. Verse 11. A seal of righteousness of the faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised. He had the faith before he was ever commanded to be circumcised. He had the faith that saved him. But because he had the faith that saved him, that circumcision was a seal that God gave that, yes, you have the faith that saves. Because if you have the faith that saves, you'll obey my command. If you don't have the faith that saves, you'll say no to my command. Woo, come on. Praise God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Now look at the price Abraham had to pay to, to walk in faith. Hmm. The Bible says this, that he might be the father of all them that believe through, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. Now God's going to change things for the church. And you don't have to be physically circumcised, but if you have the kind of faith that Abraham had, it will make you righteous. It will put you in right standing. And when you find out about New Testament circumcision, you're going to do just what Abraham did. You're going to get circumcised. Not physically, but spiritually. Hallelujah. Whew, glory to God. The Bible says in verse 13, let's look at the God, Abraham kind of faith. For the promises that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, justified by faith. Abraham before law, David in law, by faith. Listen, it is complete, total dependence on God. That justifies. Praise the Lord. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of non effect. Now, a promise is something that God does. You're empty handed, and God says, I'll do this for you if you just believe me. I'll make you the heir of the world. I'll make your name great. I'll make your nation great. Just trust my promise. You can't bring it about in your own self. You have to depend on me. Hmm. 
The Bible says, For if they which are of the law be heirs of faith made void and promise made of none effect, because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. So sin is a transgression of the law. The law came. You know what the law did? The law showed us that we were in need of a Savior. Hallelujah. It couldn't save us. It's the condemnation. It's not the remedy. It's the condemnation. Praise the Lord. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. Let's say grace. But it's by faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promises might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but that which is of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Aren't you glad that though you were not a Jew, Israelite, and circumcised, now you may be circumcised physically, but not for covenant reasons, for health reasons, but I'm talking about if you were a person not born of Abraham, natural seed, not a Jew, God says that you can become the seed of Abraham when you have the same kind of faith that Abraham had. Whoa, that's awesome. Everybody say seed of Abraham. Who is the father of us all. So he is the example of what kind of faith I have to have for it to be saving faith. As written, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they are. Listen to me. You know what kind of faith Abraham had? Abraham had a faith in one God. Let's all say one God. Because he was willing to leave his country, leave his false gods, and follow the one true God of the Bible. The kind of saving faith you have to have is you have to believe in the one God of the Bible. Do you read it there? Do you see it? Before him whom he believed, even God, he believed in the one true God of the Bible. And, amen. Who quickeneth the dead. And that God that he believed, the one God of the Bible, was a God who had power. Do you believe that God has power? He is omnipotent. He has all power. So Abraham believed in one God, and he believed that God was all powerful. So powerful he could resurrect people from the dead. Woo, so powerful he'd walk up there and lay down his son on an altar and, and lift up a knife ready to kill his own son, a promised son. And God says, Abraham, take your son, your only son, and offer him to me. And Abraham's faith is so alive that he's willing to obey God even to the point of killing his own son if God says it. God said, I want to see how much you love me, Abraham. Do you really love me? Then I want to see if you're willing to give up everything for me. If you're not willing to give up everything for me, then you don't have the kind of faith that you need. The Abraham kind of faith is a faith that will give up everybody and everything for God, even your own children. Are you willing to give up everything? Because God, listen to me, God many times in my life have come to, come to me and said, Will you lay this person on the altar and give them to me? Will you put me first? In place of this thing or this person, many times God has come to me like that. 
and I've had to give it up. You with me? If I really knew it was God, you have to give it up. Because then you have the kind of faith that's Abraham faith. Thank you, Jesus. He said, I believe that God can even quicken the dead. If you'll read the book of Hebrews, when Abraham, who glory to God, Abraham believed God so completely that he believed that once he took that knife, if God permitted him to slay his son, Isaac, Hebrews said that he believed that God was going to raise him from the dead. Now, up to that point, I don't read one time where God ever raised anybody from the dead between Adam and Abraham. Not one time do I ever read about that. But Abraham's faith is so strong in his God and what God has said. He said, God said, I'll make you a great nation. If I kill my son, that means God's going to have to resurrect him from the dead. And I might not have ever seen it in my life happen, but I believe that God said it. And if he's got to resurrect Isaac from the dead, he will do it. So he received Isaac in a figure resurrection, a type of Jesus Christ who rose from the dead. Can you imagine that? Having that kind of faith? What if God came to you today and said, take your son or your daughter and slay him, kill him, offer him to me, because I want to see how much if you really love me or you love them more. Okay? And you've got the kind of faith that will take you there to do that and then believe, okay, God, here they are. Raise them up. That's the kind of faith that it takes. That's saving faith. Do we understand that? It's not just mentally accepting Jesus as your personal Savior and going about your life the way you want to live it. Living, saving faith is a faith that is demonstrated by total abandonment to God. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say praise the Lord. It says, he believed it, whom he believed, even God, who quickened it to dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. He believed that God could see the future. And even though they aren't right now, God can see the future and speak things that are not as though they were. That's walking by faith and not by sight. Amen. When you walk by sight, circumstances control you and dictate your everything about you. When you walk by your feelings and your emotions, you're controlled by your senses. But there's something that we need to be controlled by, and it goes beyond your senses. It's called faith. And it's walking and trusting God's Word and not living your life by what you feel or what you see. But it's what God has said. Y'all with me? And being so completely and totally abandoned to God that whatever God you want, I give. The Bible says, verse 18, who against, Abraham said, who against hope 
believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. This takes us back before Abraham even had any children. God said, you know, of course, we know Abraham wasn't perfect because in his life he went and got some help along with Sarah to fulfill, bring about the promise of God. And he went into Hagar, his, uh, Sarah's handmaiden, they conceived, had a son named Ishmael, not the promised seed, a seed of the flesh. You with me? He wasn't perfect, but his faith kept pushing him on to believe God. The Bible says, let me read it again. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Against hope believed in hope. He goes on and tells us, verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. <laughs> Ooh, God had said, I'm going to give you a son, Abraham and Sarah, not Abraham and Hagar, Abraham and Sarah. I'm going to give you a son. Abraham's a hundred years old. He's an old man. Still don't have no son. And Sarah can't have children. Physically impossible. But the Bible says that he hoped against hope. You see, so far as looking at, he, listen, he was aware that he was 100 years old and he was aware of all the facts and all the circumstances. He was aware of it. But he believed that God's word outweighed the circumstances and the situation. It is impossible for Abraham to have a son. It's impossible for Sarah to have a son. Listen, so he can't look to himself. He has to look. He's got hope, yeah, but not himself. His hope rests in what God has said. And that's walking by faith, not by sight. Believing what God has said when everything around you is telling you totally the opposite. <clears throat> Jesus, I feel the Holy Ghost. That's what the Abraham kind of faith is, a faith that doesn't walk by sight and feelings and emotions and circumstances. Everything around says no, but God said yes. And if God said it, that settles it. Doesn't matter if I believe it or you believe it or anybody else believes it. If God has said it, that settles it. And like I shared with you last week, this statement's not true. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. No, God said it. That settles it, period, if you believe it or not. And that's the kind of faith that Abraham had. Oh, but in America, you know, we're a different breed of Christian. We have to see it before we believe it. But God says, believe it before you see it. Hallelujah. Look at, the old, look at the New Testament when Jesus walked there. People wanted healing in their body. He said, okay, go do this. Walks up to a, to a man, picks up dirt off the ground, spits in it, puts it on his eyes, and he said, go wash your face. You know what, God, he's, he's 
requiring those people to demonstrate faith that will bring a miracle. But in America, we want to see it, then we'll believe it. God says, no, I want you to believe it, then you'll see it. Ooh, glory. I'm talking to somebody this morning. God says, enter my gates with thanksgiving, my courts with praise and bless my name. But God, I don't feel like it right now. It doesn't make no difference. He said it. I believe it. I'm going to worship him and praise him no matter what I feel or what I see. I'm going to believe his word no matter what's going on in my life. I'm going to worship God. And then I'll experience the deliverance that I need when I obey him. Woo, glory to God. I hear people that say, oh, I need God to supply this for me. I need God to supply that for me. Do you give to God? Do you obey his word? Do you pay your tithes and pay your offerings and, and then trust God to bless you? Don't say, God, I depend on you. I've got faith in you to supply my needs. If you're not obeying his word, obey his word and then you'll get blessed. I want to tell you something. I have never seen anybody that obeyed God's word that God did not take care of them. But I hear people all the time crying and moaning and wanting all the, oh, have you obeyed the word? If you've obeyed the word, then God will take care of you. You haven't obeyed, you don't have nothing. You're saying you believe, but you really don't. Because if you believe, you'll step out in faith and obey the word. All right, yeah, I'm after your money. Sit there and think that. Go right ahead. I don't care what you think. I'll preach the word to you. I live by these principles, friend. I know what it's like to not have nothing. I know what it's like to have to live by faith. I know what it's like to have to go into my baby's account to pay the bills. I know what it's like. But never would I withhold my tithes and offerings to God. Because then I would say I'm not a believer in your word, God. Hallelujah. So go ahead. I know you love me, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Sit there and think I'm after your money. I'm telling you to obey the word of God and get yourself out of your problems. You see, God is not going to come down here and just supernaturally do something wonderful for you that he doesn't do for anybody else when he's already given you his word and how to get out of your problem. And if you don't obey the plan, you're going to stay in the problem. But Abraham believed God and obeyed God, even if it cost him his own son. Praise the Lord. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Man, where is this? I don't know. I get so fired up sometimes I get up here. I don't understand Christian religion, but I guess it's like that all over American religion, I mean. American Christianity, I guess it's like that all over the world. But Abraham faith is totally different from American faith. When I see it, then I believe it. When you do it for me, God, then I'll obey you. No, 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 that's not the way it works. It's obey the word and then God will bless. People say, I'm not going to praise God until it moves on me. Then you're going to sit there a long time and God's never going to move on you. You're going to have to move and then God will move. Those people that got expecting one of miracles in their life when God told them to go do those things. Oh, they say, well, God, when you move on me, then I'll do it. No, God says, forget you. See you later. I'm going to the next town. Hallelujah. 
I'm, I'm, I'm stirred up and fired up, man. The Bible says this. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, according to the word, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He knew that he was a hundred. He knew Sarah's womb was dead, but he said, I'm not even going to look at that. I'm going to focus on the word. I'm going to focus on God. Man. He staggered not. Let's say stagger not at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strong in faith, giving glory to God. That glorifies God. When you don't stagger at His promises, you walk in obedience to His word. And being fully persuaded that what He had promised, He was able also to perform. You see, faith is based on three things. Knowledge, belief, and trust. Knowledge is the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith is not just a blind leap out in the dark. Okay? Faith is based on what the Word of God says. So I find out what the Word of God says. That's knowledge. Then I believe it's true. And when I believe it's true, I trust that He's able to do that which He said He would do. That's what true faith is. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise God. The Bible says, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. That unwavering, unstaggering, total commitment, total abandonment to God's word. In the midst of everything that said, no, it's not going to happen. I'm going to obey. That kind of faith. Is saving faith. Not a one-time, that's where people miss it today in America. They think it's a one-time experience. No, it's a lifestyle. Living faith is ongoing. Therefore, if you walk out of God, away from God, and you're no longer walking with God, you don't have saving faith. Glory, are y'all with me today? There is no such thing as unconditional eternal security. Once saved, always saved. That's not true. If you leave God today and go back out in the world and go back into sin, you are not walking in saving faith. Your faith is dead. Mm, glory to God. Somebody say praise the Lord. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for ours also to him. It shall be imputed. For if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, we believe that he's resurrecting God, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. He died for our sins. Amen. Then we have the, Abra the type of faith that Abraham displayed. Now, real quickly, I'm going to go through here so we'll understand the Abraham type of faith. Thank you, Jesus. What kind of faith did Abraham have? Because that's the type of faith that is justifying faith. It is a faith that is in the object of God. God is the object of faith. Not having faith in faith, but having faith in God. 
Have you been in a service and you needed healing in your body and you said, God, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Oh, I believe, I believe, I believe. I'm, you know, and you're trying to build up your faith, trying to build up your believing to a point that then you can get your healing. Now, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. I went into it one time in a prayer line, this guy. He was using the gifts of healing, and I went in that prayer line, and I need healing in my body, and I'm standing in that line, God, I've got enough faith. I've got enough faith tonight. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. I was trying to build up my faith, but my faith was in my faith because then I turned my faith in on myself and said, I believe, God, I believe I have faith. I have faith. I have the faith that I need to get healed tonight. Well, then that's focusing on self, and I didn't get healed. Amen. Because my focus was on self. True faith, the object is not your faith, it's God. Hallelujah. Somebody say, praise the Lord. You see, listen, the weaker you get, the more hopeless the situation, the greater the faith. Because you're realizing you can't do it for yourself. It's impossible. If, if it's going to be done, it's going to be God. So the weaker you get, <laughs> the greater your faith will rise. It has to. Because you're putting your faith in God. Notice the Bible says it was the true God, one true God of the Bible. He came out of idolatry. It, he believed in the all-knowing God. Before Isaac was born, he he quoted the scriptures there that, that God calls those things which are not as though they were. He knew that God was all-powerful, could resurrect from the dead. Now, he really believed this. He didn't just accept it mentally. He knew it. Faith against all odds. Everybody say, oh, against all odds. The saving kind of faith is going to be a faith that is in your life that is against all odds. When everything and everybody can come against you and you'll stay true to God, that's the Abraham kind of faith. Against all odds, naturally speaking. Hopeless from human standpoint, but Abraham believed God. Man. Faith in God's word. He took God at his word, Genesis 15, 15. Okay, do you believe the word of God today? That type of faith, living faith, will, uh, will follow the word. Faith in spite of circumstances. He was old. He was physically unable. Or he was old. She was physically unable and old too. Abraham, not ignorant of the circumstances, but believes God's word outweighed the circumstances. That's the Abraham kind of faith. Faith that did not waver, the Bible says. He staggered not at the promises of God. His faith didn't waver when he didn't see it happen. And isn't that hard to do sometimes when you trust God maybe for years for your family or and the Lord has told you. Now, he's given you a word, and you know that he's given you a word. And year, year goes by, and year goes by, and year goes by, and you still don't see it. Isn't that difficult sometimes to not stagger in your faith? When you go through a very severe trial, very severe testing, very severe hardship in your life, have you ever been there where you feel like just somebody just knocked all the air out of you? Very difficult to not stagger in your faith. But Abraham didn't stagger. He got stronger in his faith. 
Amen. Let's all say he was an overcomer. He was fully convinced. Fully convinced. Fully convinced. Strong, constant, steadfast faith is true faith. Faith that never stops living. Constant, steadfast faith. And then not only that, but obedient faith. Hebrews 11, verse 8. Somebody get that for me right quick, if you would. And I'll come back to this. Somebody will help me read that. Obedient faith. <clears throat> Genesis 21, or 12, verse 1. He left Ur. Obedient faith. Genesis 12, 1 through 2. Genesis 15, 6 through 7. He entered Canaan by faith. Genesis 13, kind of faith that he separated from Lot. He said, Lot walked by sight, the Bible says. He went after the well-watered plains of the Jordan there. He pitched his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah, walking by sight. He moved into the world, walking by sight. But Abraham said, okay, Lot, you take the world and Sodom and Gomorrah, things that men have made and I'll take the things that God have made and I'll take the mountains Abraham walked by faith not by sight you walk by sight it'll pull you back into the world amen I hear a lot of people say well this is why I'm no longer in the house of God this is why I'm no longer living for God and they make they, they, they come up with different things that happen to them or whatever but I want you to know something, that faith overcomes. Let me just tell you right now, if, you're, if, you, if you and I think that our walk with God is not going to be with any obstacles from this point on, I'm going to assure you right now where you sit, you've got a lot of troubles and testing ahead of you. So if your faith is resting on always happening your way, you might as well leave now. If your faith is resting on the fact that nobody, I'm not going to get hurt in the church, you might as well leave now. It's going to happen. But you're going to have to have the faith that moves you on no matter what you experience in your life. There's people in this church that have lost family members. Severe testing in their life. They have to walk by faith. They hurt every day. They have to walk by faith. They could have said, well, God, I gave up on you. Why did it happen? And then, you know, God, you know, all of that. Hmm. No, walk by faith. Separated from Lot, there was dissension problems between Lot and Abraham's herdsmen. So they separated. The scripture says... Abraham believed he would have a child. God fulfilled his promise because Abraham obeyed him. Now, Hebrews 11, verse 8. Who's got that for me? Anybody get that for me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
Abraham's faith. The Bible said God fulfilled his promise because Abraham obeyed him. Whenever Abraham offered up his son, his only son, then God fulfilled his promises to him. Amen. See, when we walk in obedience to the word, that's when God's going to fulfill his promise to us. Genesis 22, Genesis 26, 4 through 5. So we must have the same kind of faith. One true God, resurrection power, God knows the future, and eternal victory over Satan, sin, and death is the kind of faith that we have to believe in. We are justified because of what Jesus has done, and because we believe that, okay, and we experience salvation in our life, the works or the evidence are, are going to be there. Amen. That's why I've shared with you all about ceremonials, ceremonies. You know, the circumcision was a ceremony. And the Lord clearly told us in the second chapter of Romans that if you just go through a ceremony, you don't have the Abraham kind of faith, then you just got wet. How many people have I baptized in Jesus' name did not have the saving kind of faith that they needed? And they just went through a ceremony, and it didn't change their life. If it didn't change their life, they just got wet. That's all they did. They experienced a ceremony. See, baptism won't save you in, uh, if you don't have the faith in what it represents. If you don't have faith that Jesus died for you and shed his blood on the cross so your sins can be remitted, and that when you're baptized in his name, those sins are washed away, you just went through a ceremony. Amen. Here's what, I, here's what I've shared with people. <laughs> Say, if a person, they get baptized in Jesus' name, and they may get the Holy Ghost even. We don't know for sure when they get the Holy Ghost. You know, you hear them speak with tongues. But I said, let's wait and look at their life for a period of time. Because time will tell. If they're still there in a year, they've got saving faith. They're still there in a couple of years, they've got saving faith. They're, year, they're there five years down the road, ten years down the road. They've got saving faith. Time will tell. Because the Bible talks about fruits of the believer. Matthew 7. Amen. Praise God. But we put our complete total trust empty-handed in for salvation with God. Justification, let's look at it. May, because, okay, justification is being right with God. We are declared righteous by who? By God. God says, you're righteous. Amen? The, what is the source? God is the source. The ground is the blood of Jesus. The means is faith, application, obey the gospel. If you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you will apply that to your life through repentance, baptism, and Holy Ghost and filling. When, what, when is the time of justification? When do you become justified? When you experience the new birth. 
John 3, 3 through 5, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again of the water and the Spirit, or you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So you become justified when you are born again. John 3, 3 through 5, Acts 2, verse 38. You repent, baptize in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. You receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And then you have the evidence that you have saving faith by obeying His Word, first of all, and then by the works that are in your life. Saving works. Works will be displayed when you've got saving faith. Pretty simple, isn't it? But that's the kind of faith that Abraham had. He had faith that was obedient, strong faith, unstaggering faith, lifetime faith. And that's the kind of faith it takes to be saved. Praise God. There's a lot more than just mentally accepting Jesus as your personal Savior and going about your own way. You know, God wants to change your life in my life. Aren't you glad that he doesn't want to leave us in the mess that we were in? That wouldn't be save, salvation if God, you know, saved me and then let me go back out there and live in the mess that I was in. He wants to save me from my sin, not in my sin. When we understand how terrible sin is, then we'll understand what God, why God feels the way he does towards sin. Sin will destroy you. It's like a cancer. And if you had cancer in your body today, you would loathe that. Sister Cardoza, before the Lord healed you, didn't the Lord heal you of cancer? Before he healed you, that cancer, didn't you hate that thing that was destroying your body? I mean, it was taking your life from you. Well, that's what sin is like, a cancer that takes your life from you. And now you can see why God said, I'm not going to let cancer stay in you. I'm going to deliver you from it. I'm going to save you from that mess, not leave you in it. But you're going to have to walk out of it. You can't stay there. And you can't put God to the test and keep going back to places that you know you're going to fall in sin in. And you know it's sin. And you go back to the same place. Amen. The Bible says don't give place to the devil. Don't go where you know you're going to fall. Hallelujah. Abraham did that one time and he lied. He lied. God told him, don't go down to Egypt. And he went down to Egypt, and he lied when he got there. He lied about his wife because she was so beautiful. The king wanted her. said, just tell her, you know, when they ask Sarah, just tell them that you're my half-sister. You're my sister. You're my sister. Well, he, she was a half-sister, but not his sister. She was his wife. But he lied because he was in the wrong place. God told him, don't go to Egypt. He went anyway. You with me today? today? Every time Abraham, you study the life of Abraham, he wasn't a perfect man. He was a man of faith. But study the times when he had lapses in faith. And look at the mess it got him in. I mean, don't you think that God knows what he's talking about? He does, he does, he does, he does. What is that old saying? You can't play with fire and not get burned. It's true, isn't it? The basis of it is found in the scripture. 
You can't take fire in your bosom and not get burned. Hallelujah. So that's why true saving faith is demonstrated by works. Amen. And it takes both of them to be real. If you say you got faith and don't have works, then you don't have faith. Thank God. I love His Word. God, He is so awesome. And, and my faith is in Him today and my salvation. I trust is, He's given me salvation. I didn't deserve it. I don't deserve anything. I didn't deserve the Holy Ghost when I got it. I didn't deserve to get baptized in His name. I didn't deserve it. I wasn't good enough. But He gave it to me anyway. Because why? Because I believe that He did it, not me. Amen? You don't, you don't receive anything from God except by faith. You don't get healing except by faith. You don't receive the Holy Ghost except by faith in Him. You don't get baptized in Jesus' name and have your sins washed away without faith. You don't repent without faith. It's all a gift from God. Repentance is a gift. Baptism is a gift. Infilling of the Holy Ghost is a gift. It's not a work of salvation. It's a gift from God. You experience it by faith. Amen? So whenever you get this out of your mind, well, I've got to get good enough before God will give me His Spirit. You know, you're never going to be good enough. You're just going to have to believe Him for it and accept it. Praise God. Amen. And then by faith walk with Him and let the power of His Spirit overcome through you the obstacles in your life, the problems in your life, the sin that is in your life. Let God's blood redeem you, wash those sins, and let Him give you power over it. We're, I haven't arrived yet, and you haven't arrived yet, but we're walking by faith and letting God do it through us. See, I'm no longer trusting myself. I'm trusting God's power to give me deliverance. I'm trusting. I'm not trusting myself to make it. I'm trusting God to keep me. And he's told me how I can be strong if I just obey and pray and, you know, and fast and, and trust him and read his word. and what Those things are going to give me the strength I need to make it. Hallelujah. Thank God. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your precious word today, this morning. I thank you, God, for these people of faith. Lord God, I thank you for what you've done in this church, God, and what you're going to do. Thank you for the new people that have been baptized in your name, Jesus, recently. We give you glory today for that, God. We recognize it is your kingdom. It's not our kingdom. It's your word, God. It's your spirit. It's your grace. It's your salvation. Lord, but you have offered it to us. And you offer it to every person, God, in this world. We thank you today, God, for the many, many souls, God, that are going to be reached with the gospel. New, brand new people who've never heard, God, this truth. Never heard the gospel. Lord, we thank you, God. The book of Romans cries out and shouts that the gospel is the power of God and is salvation. It is able to save to the uttermost them that call upon you. There is no man, God. They cannot be reached. They cannot be saved, God. Amen. That has never heard this gospel. You have the power to reach the lost. 
in the name of Jesus. Amen. And all it takes is that right there. It just takes that word. It takes that gospel. And it takes you simply believing it. And that's all it takes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Remember tonight at 6 o'clock, we have these videos we're going to begin showing on the end time prophecy. I really believe God is going to use this to bring a lot of people into the truth. If you've got friends, bring them. Hallelujah. You'll learn because it's a teaching, teaching type series. Amen. And you're going to learn what the Bible has to say about the end time. Amen. God bless you. Good to see everybody here. Good to have our guests with us. Amen. In Jesus' name.